Sherry Bustos, former 17th district congressperson who we already miss for all she did for uh, <laughs> I agree. The seven, yeah, the 17th district and and for the Peoria area joins us. Uh Sherry, I I, I lean center right. I'm not affiliated with any party. Um but I I'm, I'm embarrassed what's going on at the state of the union. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, as I said earlier, looked like some of the spoiled brats I grew up with near Naperville, uh, and her parents would vouch for her. Uh, I'm like, and and then, you know, it started uh, a ways back, Nancy Pelosi ripping up the State of the Union behind Donald Trump. Um, When you came in, was it that bad? Had it already started? No, it was not that bad. And if you look back to people who came in 10 years before I did, they said it wasn't as bad when they came in as it was when I went in. Um, and so it, it's almost like you can look from one decade to the next to the next. And the, the state of play and the decorum in Washington, D.C., and particularly on the House floor and in the U.S. Capitol, just keeps getting worse and worse. And that, that's not good. But what's the solution to it, right? I mean, I I always look for when you have a problem, what's the solution to it? I think part of it is we need to take a look at two things that I think if we fix them, um, the the way people behave would get better. Number one, money and politics. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, that, that you can have this dark money, you can have this money come in from sources where we don't even know where in the heck it's coming from. Um, that is not good because if money's coming in, believe me, it's coming in for an agenda. And then number two, we really do have to look at gerrymandering and how district lines are drawn for con- congressional districts because they are now, there are so few swing districts that you've got districts that are heavily, heavily Democratic or heavily, heavily Republican. And all that does is, is makes candidates go farther and farther left or farther and farther right. And that is just not healthy for a, uh, a functional democracy. Well, you know, and that's where I kind of got disappointed with Governor Pritzker. Brad McMillan at Bradley, one of the people who spearheaded it, he's tried several times, finally got it through, where we had the Fair Map Amendment, and it was had enough signatures, and uh, uh, Governor Pritzker said he would support it and then kind of backed off his support. The people want that. The people want to get rid of these gerrymandering districts. And I don't know why the I you know the politicians don't want to give up their power, both sides, both sides. But um, when are they going to listen to the people? Well, uh, but, but we can, as people, um, as Illinois residents, and for that matter, residents of any state in our nation, that's within their control. Uh, we've got uh, we have referenda uh, that we can uh, again we can pass petitions. They they require a lot of signatures that. The uh, it, it, it's a heavy lift, it's a high bar to be able to get the referenda on the ballot. But but we can do that, and and then it takes a, a huge PR campaign, and then we you've got to you got to get people to support it. And there's going to be lies that are told on all sides. Uh, but but that is how I think we're going to change the state of play in um, in Washington D.C. and for that matter in the in the state of Illinois. You can do the same thing with state legislative districts and state senate districts so but but i i think the fair map amendment and i don't want to go on about this they had enough signatures but for some reason it got blocked along the way challenged constitutionally i believe by mike madigan uh but uh, hopefully but the other thing is what about the mirror 
This is what bothers me. Accountability by politicians. Our world has become more mean, uh, more disrespectful to one another. And we just have to look to our leaders and look the way they're treating one another. I'm like, is there a, a, any sense? Now, by the way, um, it's a small percentage of those in Congress because you um, um, and others uh, do have the decorum when dealing with other people. Uh, you have worked with people across the aisle, but it's just the extremes right now. But they're setting the example for the rest of the country. The rest of the country sees how our leaders are disrespectful, and we're kind of following the leader as a society. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll speak to that through, through this lens. Um, the, the people who have among the highest profiles as members of Congress and who have among the most Twitter followers or Instagram or Facebook are typically the least effective. And here's what I mean by that. They are throwing bombs on social media, and yet in Congress they don't have those personal relationships with other members of Congress. They don't write a bill and then work it. In other words, hey, you know, get, get another member of Congress on the phone and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I've written this bill. I, I would like you to get on it. Here's why I think it makes sense for you to be a co-sponsor. They don't do that work. Again, I'm talking about the that a lot of the members of Congress who have the highest profile. Look at Marjorie Taylor Greene. Has she passed any legislation, and is she going to pass any le- legislation? Look at Lauren Boebert. Has she passed any legislation, um, and can she pass any legislation? And the same would hold true with people on the far left. Um, and so, but, but they're in these completely safe districts. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, unless she ends up doing something so extreme that she gets booted uh, for some reason uh, or, or gets in trouble legally, um, she's there probably as long as she wants to be there. And she is, she's just constantly disruptive. Look at her behavior, to your point that you made at the outset. Look at her behavior at the State of the Union, my view on that, and I don't care if it was Donald Trump delivering the State of the Union because I was there for all of his deliveries, or, or Joe Biden, and I was there for his first two, and I was there for four of President Obama's. I, I can't imagine a booing or hissing or yelling at any of them because, mm-hmm. for, for God's sake, they are the President of the United States, and you show respect because of that, the, the position that they hold. But yet, that is look. Look at that behavior that we we witness on television. I, I last year when I was sitting um, there watching President Biden deliver last year's State of the Union, uh, just to my right across the aisle and, and back a row was Lauren Boebert, and she was behaving in a way that was incredibly disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And I just remember leaning over to the to, to my colleague on my left, and I said, "Classless, just completely classless." And um, that, that is my view, but I, I certainly wouldn't yell out at Lauren Boebert, hey, Lauren, you're classless, <laughs> because you know what, it's just not, the, it's not what you do. Um, you know, so there's, there's... But does anybody, like, talk to these people and say, look, you know, Kevin McCarthy, if he's the speaker, well, he or, did or warn even Nancy them. Pelosi, like, just kind of, like, sit with them privately and just go, look, just be cool, because they played into Joe Biden to me and he opened he opened the door and all that booing and hissing made it so that social security and medicare are now off the table of budget cuts 
off the table. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah they, they really played into his hand, right? And I, I guess to, to uh, Joe Biden's credit, uh, you know, on national television with close to 40 million-ish people watching, he nailed him down saying, hey, that, you're, you're not going to cut Social Security or Medicare, which I don't think would have happened, frankly, anyway, because you've got a Democratic-controlled Senate, a Republican-controlled sure. House, and a Democratic in the White, a Democrat in the White House. So it likely wouldn't have happened anyway. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, they really um, played right into his hands where he, he got it all on record for a lot of people to see. Well, Sherry, we'll let you go. A couple of things real quick. Hopefully the media, though, won't focus on the firebrand, but they do. They focus on the extreme. Uh, I forget the uh, Republican representative's name because he's not out there a lot. But in the midst of all this, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, he said, look, Democrats and Republicans are sitting down every day. We just don't get the credit for it, and no one covers it. But we are working together. And I think in the future, at the State of the Union, what we should do is we should have uh, split everyone up. You have a Democrat, then a Republican, then a Democrat and Republican. You look at Marjorie Taylor Green, uh, Matt Gates, and Lauren Boebert. You can't sit together and then look at the squad and go, you can't sit together either. And like a third-grade room, you got to sit and have assigned seats. Maybe boy, that'll girl, help, Boy, Sherry. girl, boy, girl, like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, we actually did that. Um, I can't remember which year. I was a member of uh, something called the Problem Solvers Caucus, and um, we we pushed that. Hey, find a Republican that you can sit by and sit on the opposite side of where you typically sit. And we, we did that. I, I don't know what difference it made, but to the point you made earlier, if you look at the moderate Democrats and the moderate Republicans, or what I like to say reasonable, because even moderates has taken on some you know different meaning. But I, I like to just say the, the reasonable members of the Democratic caucus and the Republican conference. Uh, and we do talk every day. We, when, when I was in Congress, we had good relationships. There was I, um, almost every bill I ever introduced in my decade in Congress. I had a Republican co-sponsor on day one. And um, I did that for a reason, because whether Democrats were in the majority or the minority, you always you always had to get enough votes on the other side of the aisle if you actually wanted to pass a bill. Now, By the there's way, plenty of these so-called messaging bills where you don't care, but I almost every bill I introduced, I had a Republican on day one as a co-sponsor. By the way, the Republican that I quoted, couldn't remember his name, was on that group, the Problem Solvers. So uh, we miss you. And by the way, if you can find your replacement, we can't. Uh, make sure he gets a hold of us, would you? Okay. All right. All right. I will. Hey, let me just do a let me just do a really quick shout out to Nikki Bazinski is a brand new member. She's originally from Peoria, now lives in Springfield and represents the district that is kind of all redrawn. But I think she's off to a tremendous start. Really proud of her. Uh, she got on the the ag committee, as did Eric Sorensen. We now have four Illinois Illinoisans um, who are in Congress on the ag committee, and I think that's good when we're going into writing this 2023 farm bill. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my new line of work, uh, we're, we're going to uh, set up an, an agricultural uh, 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 practice uh, so we can make sure that Illinois has a seat at the table, not just in Congress, but that we get the right legislation through to, to look out for our, our corn growers and, and, and those who grow soybeans and our, the dairy folks and the, 
the pork producers and the the uh, beef cattle and all of that. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to figuring out how to make sure Illinois is well, not just well represented on the Ag Committee in Congress, but also that we get the right legislation through to, to look out for our interests in the agricultural community. Well, I'm glad you're still involved. Thanks for talking to us. That's Sherry Bustos.